0: pastor called me uh, late Thursday nights and says, hey, John, what you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm going to be in Ohio, a little bit of Michigan, a little bit of Tealot, uh, Ohio, and I'm going to be in the prisons on Friday and Saturday, be back Saturday night. And he goes, oh, man, I want you to preach for me on, on Sunday morning. I said, well, well I, I can still do it. And he goes, but you're going to be in the prisons. And I said, pastor, man, uh, you got to be ready in and out of season. And I said, man, just give me your notes. Uh, I'll put my little New Jersey twang to it, man, and we'll roll with it. And then he goes, oh, maybe this is not a good idea. You know what I'm saying? But... Uh, But uh, I'm going to be hitting some of his notes with it today, but uh, Pastor, man, he's been in in this series, and last week, if you were here, you were blessed. Uh, The Good Samaritan, oh, you were blessed. Uh, I remember, I think it was last Thursday before, uh, not this past week, but a week ago Thursday, when he was talking about, hey, I'm going to preach the Good Samaritan, and it's been preached in so many different ways, and he says, but I'm going to hit it with a different twist, and he was explaining this twist to me, and I was like, man, I never heard that before, but it was so good. I mean, it was really good, and so... What happens is when you hear the Word of God and someone uh, explains something to you and hits your heart, uh, if you can't respond, "Whoa, this is good, this is deep, then maybe you need to check yourself. And, and that's what this morning is all about. Uh, we're going to talk about the soils. We're going to talk about some heart issues. We're going to talk about some land issues. Uh, understanding what Josh just read to us, uh, the parable of the sower, uh, it was basically that Jesus dropped some seeds and it dropped on some hard path, but the birds came up and grabbed those seeds. And then some of that seed fell on some rocky ground. And because the soil uh, wasn't able to affect it and it didn't go deep enough, it stayed near the surface and then it got dried up. It got scorched out by the sun. So it kind of just withered. And then some of that seed fell amongst some weeds and some thorns. And we know what happens when you try to go into a garden and you look at some flowers and you see some thorns and weeds pulling up. Sometimes they choke out but looks good and pretty. And so the thorns choked out the word, and then some of that seed fell on some good ground, or as people would say, good dirts. I remember being born and raised from New Jersey and growing up in New Jersey. Uh, we never talked about dirt. We never talked about what fertile soil actually looked like. You know, we grew up in the concrete jungle, and we played sidewalk football, and we played football in the streets, my, my twin brother and I. It wasn't until I got to the Midwest and met this girl named Josie and met Josie and ended up marrying her and her family and some of her family members are into the agricultural thing and they're into the farming thing. And so I began to hear stuff like, man, that's some good dirt. Man, that's some good soil. And every time they talked about this good dirt or this good soil, it was talking about what they ground would produce, give back. And I remember seeing these, you know, you see the corns that were planted and the corn, the stalks would go, man, it was like jack-and-the-bean stalk. Man, it would go, away. Them, them stalks would go up high and it looked so pretty. And understanding that, man, that was some good dirt, good soil. Well, Jesus is also talking about some dirt this morning. But the investment that he's talking about is not what the ground can give back. He's talking about when he drops the word on your hearts. What kind of investment is he getting back? When the word is dropped upon your hearts, What kind of investment is that word that's touching your heart? Understanding the sower, Jesus. The seeds, the word of God. Understanding he's sowing something on your heart this morning. And I'm going to ask you a question a couple different times. Which soil does your heart represent? Which soil represents your heart this morning? Now, understanding when you're in front of the word of God and God's word is smacking you dead in the face, how do you respond? I love what James says in James chapter one. He says this, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. You see yourself, and then you walk away and you forget what you just looked at. God's got a mirror. And that mirror is looking dead at you right now with his word. And if you stand or sit in front of God's word and don't react, don't respond to it, and you walk away, shame on you. How can you be in front of God's word and not respond? And that's what the soils are all about. Where the soil drops and what happens? Is it hard? Is it rocky? Are you being choked out this morning? Or is the word impacting your heart and in turn you are now impacting God's kingdom, because you're being used and abused by God himself. So we're going to open up his word again, and we're going to read that parable, and we're going to see how Jesus explains the parable of the sower. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 through 23 says this. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his hearts. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word of God, hears the word, and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no roots in himself. Endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the discipleship of its riches choke the word out, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundreds, in another 60, and another 30. Understanding this morning, which soil reps your heart? Which soil reps your heart? Uh, Pastor had sent to me uh, four illustrations, four ways that the heart receives, rejects, doesn't allow the word to impact, four different hearts. And so I'm gonna ask you a question, which heart does your soil rep? Check this out, does your soil rep a hard heart? Does your soil represent a hard heart? Look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word in the, kingdom of, in the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. This represents the hard hearts. I believe, as I was studying this the last day and a half, that Jesus is talking about the religiosity in this time. You see, listening to this parable, you had your disciples, you had those who wanted to believe, and then you had those people who were stuck in religion those individuals who were stuck. Hey man, I, I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna let church affect me, but the word of God ain't gonna touch me. I'm gonna dip into the world and dip into church, dip in the world and dip into church. You crazy think if you can live that lifestyle. So what he was talking about was the Sadducees and the Pharisees who were kinda mixing around the people and they had their ear to it. What is this cat talking about? Seeds, falling, what's he mean by this? And Jesus is probably looking at them dead in their eyes and says, it's you, Mr. Sadducee. See, you don't believe in the resurrection. So you're never ever going to really truly understand this word. So if you can't believe in the resurrection and you can't believe that I'm God, how's my word? Because I am the word. How's it ever going to impact your heart? How's it ever going to make a difference in your life? Jesus says in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. It's alive, he says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between soul, spirit, joint, and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Understanding the word of God is a double-edged sword. So when it's good, it's still sharp. When it's bad, it's still sharp. And what I mean by bad, sometimes you're gonna get cut. It's gonna rip you up. When the word can rip you up, then you know it's impacting your heart. You just can't open up the word and be, oh, this is good. This looks good. Oh, man, touch my heart. Drink a little cup of coffee and say this feels good. When you're truly understanding what God's word is all about, you're going to take a look at it and say, man, I ain't doing that. Oh, man, I'm a mess. It's a sharp sword on both ends. Good and bad. It's going to cut you. See, so he's talking about the person who is steeped in religion. I like what it says here. It says this. When you don't understand it, it's like the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Now, I'm just going to be real with you this morning. If you're a true believer, and I don't know that. If you're a true believer then there ain't nothing snatching the word from your hearts. Nothing. It's in God's word. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall now perish and no one can snatch them out of my hands. The Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So don't you understand when he says this, he says this, man. He hears it, he, but he doesn't understand it because the evil one comes and snatches it. If you're a believer, the evil one ain't snatching Jack from you. Oh, he'll throw some darts at you. He'll come around here, come around there a little bit, come around, you sneak up on you, but he's not going to snatch it from you. And when you let the word of God impact your life, you can stand against the attack from the evil one. You see, it's a great reminder as a believer that you ain't getting snatched up. It's pretty clear, again, in this verse, he's talking about the religious lost. You see, those who are lost, who've never been in front of the word of God, you can't get mad at a non-believer. They don't know. It always I'm always kind of marred by the fact that people get mad when they see evil, when they see rotten, when they see sinfulness. That's the world we live in. It ain't getting better. Now, if you hear this morning and you hear week in and week out, and you choose that lot in life, then you need to hear this word because the word is coming to the religious lost. It has a deep meaning. A hard heart. Why can I say that? Because for 23 years of my life, I had a hard heart. See, I was raised up in church, I was raised in Catholicism. I was an altar boy. I came down the altar with a big gold cross and I placed it right on the front of the altar. I would carry the big brass Bible, put it on the pulpit so the priest can read it to the robots, because no one ain't understanding it, and I'm saying, he's reading this, and I ain't hearing a word he's saying. I would stand up there, and I would pass out the sacrament. I would pass out the communion, not knowing what I was doing. It was a religious act over and over and over again. I was a Pharisee holding on to the tradition. I was a Pharisee getting caught up in the religion, thinking I was good. I was even thinking I was self-righteous. That's what a Pharisee is, many self-righteous. It's the hypocrites, understanding that he can earn his favor with God, holding on to the law, never even, even open and really understanding what the law is all about. Because lest I check, you can't be self-righteous and think you're good. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be the offering for our sins so that you and I can be what? right Righteous in the eyes of God, because, not what you do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Understanding the hard heart may be you this morning that Jesus is trying to get a hold of. Hey, check this out, number two. Which soil reps your heart this morning? Does your soil rep a shallow heart? Does your soil represent a shallow heart? Look at verse 20 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, endures for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Does your sword rip a shallow heart? You don't want it. You say you want it. You see, we say we want it, we sign up for it, we get excited and we get tickled for a moment or two, but you don't want it. You really don't want it. My kids would get this. We have a term, a phrase in our house, are you making your better better? Small better, capital better. Are you making your better better? When you come to church on Sunday and that's all you do, and you don't let God's word lead you and direct you and guide you, then all you're doing is coming to church on Sunday morning. You ain't making your better better. Church ain't gonna make you better. It's what you do. We're God's people. We come to church, we, send, we, we, put our, we center ourselves around godly people. We get encouraged by each other. and We worship God here. We listen to pastor. He'll preach the word of God here. We get involved in our connect groups. Man, we join study groups, man, and we we make our better better. But if all you do is come here and sit and hear a guy talk for a few minutes and listen to some music, and that's all you do, and then six days you doing you you doing you again, that's not making you better. You see, I heard a college recruiter tell some young people this: if you want to go to college, and he's talking about whether it's Division one, two, three, whatever, if you want to be a baller at the next level, if you ain't giving three hours, three hours to your talent, your skill, your crap, you'll never do anything in college. You'll fizzle out. Oh, your talent will take you so far, but you, you'll you get caught, you'll get snatched up. And what he was saying, I mean, I'm thinking, three hours, what are you gonna do? Lift for three hours, run for, you can't do that. He goes, no, 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 no. He explained, he goes, maybe that's 45 minutes of stretching and jump roping and doing some kind of drill in the morning. And then you work out with your team through an athletic period and you got to be there and you're there for about an hour. And then after school, if if you play a position, you're working the skill at that position. Oh, it can be done! But it takes sacrifice. My boys will tell you this, man. If you ain't willing to sweat during the summer, don't tell me about your goals you have in the fall. See, if you ain't willing to wake up tomorrow morning and spend time with God and allow His Word to impact your heart, then you never want to dive off the diving board into the deep end. You're hanging out in the kiddie pool. You're hanging out in the shallow end. I'm telling you right now, a shallow heart is those who speak what they want, but they're not willing to go for it. You have to prepare your mind if you want to attempt and be great in the eyes of God. It's all about a mindset. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Fix your mind on things above, not all, but is on this earth. My brother and I shared that yesterday in the prisons with prisoners. We're sitting there and we're preaching that word and we're going back and forth and we're talking about preparing your mind. We said, You up in here playing cards, watching TV, and then when you get out, you're going to be the same old, same old. And you know why I can say that? In eight years, I can I can tell you it always always comes to fruition that when I'm doing my little tour, whether it's in Ohio, whether it's in Michigan, whether it's in Denver, I always hear at least once or twice in that weekend. Hey man, I remember y'all. Y'all spoke to me about two years ago. Hey man, I remember I just listened to y'all about maybe a couple months ago, and I looked them dead between the eyes, and I was sitting there, then "Apparently, you ain't listening." Because you find yourself doing the same old, same old, and you're right back up in here, and I get a chance to talk to you again. Preparing your mind, are you preparing for greatness in God? If you're not, you're always gonna be in the kiddie pool, hanging out in the shallow end. How do I prepare my mind? I got to meditate on God's word. Psalms chapter one, verses one through three. I delight, I delight in the letter of the law, meditating on its day and night. That's not once a week. That's day and night. I'm a tree planted along the river bank. My leaves never wither. I prosper their fruit in each season. Understanding. When you allow the word of God to affect your walk, you ain't hanging out in the shallow end anymore. You're experiencing God's depth. Moving from the kiddie pool to the deep end takes prep work. So my brother in his first year with the Washington Redskins tells me, man, it's the first preseason game, and he's a a rookie. It's his first game. It's Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns. So he knows he's gonna play a lot because the veterans and the superstars, they don't play a whole lot that first game. Guys like me, second and third teams, we play a lot that first couple preseason games. And then when the, game, when the real games come on, they usher out the superstars. And so my brother tells a story that when he was playing with the Redskins, he remembers he gets to old RFK Stadium, and he gets on at the stadium, and he kind of gets his uniform on, just his pants, and he kind of got his, his undershirt, and he kind of comes up through a tunnel, tunnel, and he's out there on the field at RFK Stadium. He said, for the first time, man, I've never seen grass that green. He says, man, I just was just staring at the paint in the end zones, of the greatest franchise in the NFL that simply said, Redskins in the end zone. I'm always going to cut down on the Cowboys. You know that. And then I saw that big Redskin helmet in the middle of the field. And my brother said, he's walking around. He's just looking at the stadium, and he's like just asking, He's just soaking it all in. He's like, wow, this is is cool. And he's kind of going over his plays, and he's kind of going over steps. And then all of a sudden, he sees a man come up on the field, and he gets on the goal line, and he sprints 100 yards, dead sprints. He touches the line, kind of does a little little skip, and he goes jog back over here. Touches the line, sprints. Does this for 30 minutes. Probably does about maybe 35, maybe 25, 35, maybe, my brother stopped stop counting. Over and over, man, boom, sprinting back and forth. Dripping with sweat, my brother looks up at the clock and he says, oh man, I gotta go get ready for the pregame now. So he goes down into the tunnel, and this guy follows right behind him. And ironically, the guy was right next to him in his locker. It was This guy was here and this individual was right next to him. So my brother puts his shoulder pads on and this individual is drying off. And so my brother goes over there and he asks a question. He says, why were you doing that, man? You, just, you wore me out. How are you gonna be able to play? Now, mind you, my brother wasn't talking to another rookie who was scared and had a lot of energy that he was just trying to get his, get his mind right. My brother was talking to an individual who, at that time, it was his 14th season in the NFL. At that time, I already won three Super Bowl championship rings. He would go on to play 20 years with that same team. And for those 20 years, he held the title of the fastest man in the NFL. When he retired, he was a first-time ballot Hall of Famer. That guy was Daryl Green. So my brother said, why were you doing that? He says, I know I'm only going to play about maybe four or five plays tonight. But if I step on that field just for one play, I'm gonna prepare myself for greatness. Are you preparing yourself for greatness? If you ain't, you always gonna be swimming in the kiddie pool. Number three, check this out. Which soil reps your heart this morning? Does your soil rep a crowded heart? Verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, But the cares of the world and its deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Man, what you chasing? What are we chasing? We value our goals and our dreams so much that we sell our faith out. Oh, we make up excuses but we sell ourselves short, man. We sell our faith out because we're chasing the carrot of the world. The Bible says, what profits a man if he gains the world but loses his soul? You see, goals are a good thing, but when you make them a God thing, it's a bad thing. Now, when I'm pointing at you, I got three pointed right back at me this morning because my kids will tell you. We strive. We talk about things. We talk about probably this one thing way too much in my household. We talk about winning championships. We talk about being a great football player. We talk about this is what it looks like. If you didn't do this today, I promise you, you can't can't have that false success if you didn't sweat today. We push it. We eat it. We sleep it. We get mad at it. We talk about winning a state champ. We talk about what does that look like. And as I was reading this verse, I was like, uh-oh. It's kind of talking about me. Maybe chokes out the word in my family because all I do is talk about football success, man. I don't mind talking about football. People always say, man, you always talk about football. Hey, I, don't, I don't care. It's what I, I love it. But if it drives me more than God's word for my family, that's a bad thing. Well, I can sow the word all I want with my family. But check this out. All they hear is football this and football that. Choking it out. The cares of this world will deceive you and will choke out the world. The cares of this world will deceive you and it will choke out the word. Mark tells it like this. The Gospel of Mark tells it like this. A rich young man goes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But when he says this, and I saw it for the first time, he says he knelt before him. So when he went up to Jesus, he knew the answer. Because if you're kneeling before someone in that time, then you recognize and that's God. You worship, you're paying homage to God if that wasn't God, then that individual will get stoned. So you understand, when he knelt before him, he was paying homage to God. He realized who he was in front of. So Jesus, what must I do? Jesus gives him an answer. Do this, this, and that. I'm doing it. Oh, but we got one more thing here. Check this out. One more thing. I want you to sell all your earthly possessions. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And all the Bible says is this. He became disheartened. He was was grieved in his heart. He was saddened in his heart as he turned from Jesus and walked away. Why? Because his cares was on what he had and he was missing out on what was right in front of him. Right in front of him. Don't let the crowd squeeze Jesus out. Don't let your goals and your dreams squeeze and push Jesus aside. Don't justify chasing things of this world and missing out on the greatest relationship you will ever experience. Ever. And that's the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And last but not least, check this out, man. Which soil reps your heart this morning? Does your soil rep a Receptive heart. Does your soil represent a receptive heart? Look at verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Did you hear what he said there? This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He hears the word and understands it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on whose understanding, your understanding. See, when you hear the word of God and you begin to understand it, it can become impactful on your hearts, on your life. Being a churchgoer will never do it for you. I'm sorry. Man, I played the religious game very, very well. It can't do it for you. It won't do it for you. But the one who hears the word indeed bears fruits. It says you bear fruit in all what you do. You bear fruit and you yield it. Sticking to the context here is talking about salvation. It's talking about salvation. I've always says this, man. When you are an individual who truly, truly is a believer, and salvation has fallen upon your heart. Then how you row and how you flow is from the overflow of your salvation. You're so grateful, and God is doing a work in you, and you can see and experience the impact that God had on you, and now you will have on others. You see, everyone's potential is different. Everyone's potential is different. You have a skill. You have a talent. God will use it in such a way where you can speak to individuals. I have people in this church, man, they drop the word of God on my heart and I receive it. I know people who would, and they, they walk with God in this church. Men and women who walk in with God in this church who share the word of God and I receive it. And I'm like, wow. These are individuals. They don't have a title. They're not a pastor. These are lay people. I love when a person could be out there working 40, 50, 60 hours in a week, coming home, being the daddy and the mommy to their family, but yet, they my time, because I know these people, to impact others with God's Word. It's you. When you are receptive to God's Word and you allow God's Word work in your life you will be a difference maker I promise you because it first makes a difference in you and then you will make a difference in somebody else and God will use you he wants to use you but he's not going to use you if you ain't being impacted by his word the Bible says we will see greater acts greater things the Bible says in John chapter 14 verse 12 truly truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the work I have done, and even greater works, even greater works. What is that talking about? Salvation. ain't talking about raising somebody from the dead. Jesus already did that. ain't talking about making someone see because when they were blind. Jesus already did that stuff, man. The greater works we're talking about was when a person who was lost has now come to saving grace, understanding who Jesus Christ is. It's the greater works we're talking about, even impact. So my brother and I, we were in the prisons on Saturday morning, and something happened to us that we had not experienced before. Normally, we walk into a pod, and we got nine guys here, or maybe it's 15, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30, sometimes 40. And we go in there, and we shut the TV off, and it's really easy just to open up your mouth and say, Hey, man, former NFL football players, man, we're going to talk to you for about 25 minutes. Can we get your attention? And we shut the TV off, and they, get, they start to grumble a little bit. And we're not, doing no, we're not doing some yard rally where we're playing some music and it's a, it's a revival in the, in the prisons. Uh-uh, man. We're walking into the cell. We're walking into the pod. We're turning off their TV, breaking up their little uh, card game, the dominoes and stuff like that. And we sit right in the middle and we start shouting. I mean, it's as real and raw as you get. Well, on this day, man, when we walked into this prison in Toledo, Ohio, we went up to the sixth floor. It was weird. It wasn't a pod. It was like in the middle of this room, it was like a cage, and it had like thick bars. And I alluded, it looked like you would put your dog in a kennel. But these were men. And they were sleeping in like a pontoon boat type deal on the ground with cushions. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, man, this is, and they were sleeping there. And so a guy and I were like, well, we can't even, I mean, hey, can we get your attention? So we just say, man, let's just roll. So we roll, and we're doing our thing. We're going back and forth. And then I grab the steel bars and they were thick. And I grab the steel bars, and I begin to just share the gospel. And I'm like, man, I don't know who's listening. I don't know who can hear this, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway. And I go through Romans Road and I say, man, if you want to be remembered in a prayer of salvation, nothing special about the prayer, but man, if you want to recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior, man, I'm gonna say a prayer. And I said a prayer. And if that was due this morning, if this is due this morning, it's at 9.30, you're sleeping. I, got, I mean, the sheets are pulled over their face. And when we shared the gospel, the sheet was pulled back, and one by one, the hands were going up. My brother and I, we looked at each other, and we had tears in our eyes. I wasn't going to do that. I didn't know if they were paying attention. God will use you if you're receptive to his word. And we did this and we saw that man and and we walked into these pods and these guys are so hardened. And afterwards, men are are tearing up and they're hugging us and they're like, thank you so much, thank you so much. God will use you, I'm proof to it. A football player from New Jersey, preaching at a Baptist church in Texas, man, I'm speaking truth to you this morning. God will use you in a mighty way if you let the word impact your life.